Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen Podcast for Tech Companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand, and today we have a really interesting and special guest with us, Tanya Mushtak. Tanya is the head of marketing for Asia Pacific at Dell Boomi, a really exciting Dell-owned SaaS startup within integration services and API management. Tanya has built a great marketing organizations at Dell Boomi and have speaking at numerous of conferences about uh, B2B marketing and especially content-driven marketing. And we're really excited to have you with us here today. So welcome, Tanya. Thank you for having me, Jacob. Before we start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your marketing journey and how you ended up at Del Boomi? <laughs> sure, yeah. I've been in marketing for uh, well, well over 20 years now. Um, so I actually, I actually have a degree in um, industrial relations, believe it or not. I thought I was going to work for unions. Um, and uh, that changed very quickly when I started to work um, you know, in that field. Um, I always wanted to do something that was um, constantly evolving and always a creative and, and, and something that wasn't just going to be um, you know, mainstream. And, and I found that marketing was that kind of discipline that kind of stands at the, at the helm of an organization's, um, you know, a journey of, of growth journey. So it was very interesting, especially in, in tech companies. I did not have that experience to start with. I was actually working um, in another industry. But when I started working in, um, in my, my first tech uh, role in marketing, uh, I just realized how interesting not just the marketing role was and evolving it was, but also how interesting technology space was. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, been my journey. I haven't looked back since I started. That's great. And, and what is your role today at Del Boomi? Can you give us a little bit of uh, background to what, what you're, you know, what are you set out to, uh, to achieve there? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, uh, it's a startup, as you said, um, and you introduced the company very well, actually. I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, so we are an iPaaS leader, um, and, which is integration platform as a service, which is integration of you know, uh, systems, uh, whether they're in cloud or on-premise, and we help move the data across these systems very quickly via cloud, uh, and it's a cloud-native platform. Um, my, uh, when I started um, four years ago, uh, we were only six people. Uh, today, there's, oh, I actually have lost count. I think there's over 150 in our, just in our region, uh, but the, it, it's more, the number is a lot bigger. Um, now, uh, my role was when I started to grow the organization, create the awareness, create the demand, and also um, make sure that we were aligned very much across the different departments. So sales very much aligned to, um, uh, you know, pre-sales aligned to professional services. Um, so uh, I, my job was to make sure that I was uh, holding all the moving pieces together to ensure that we were delivering uh, to plan or ahead of plan uh, every single quarter and every single year. That's great. And how do you... Um... 
how do you accomplish those things today? Do you have a team you work with or how is your organization built around the marketing? Yeah, so we're very fortunate that we have a, an amazing um, a team in US uh, that support us. But I also have a great team locally. So I have uh, people in Japan, I have people in Singapore, um, and I have people in Australia. So to, we, we are very aligned uh, you know, in terms of uh, how we work together, what are we going to achieve. And my team work with the sales team very, very closely um, to ensure that we are always delivering to their expectations. That's great to hear. And I know, Tanya, that you're very passionate about uh, content marketing as a driver of uh, marketing messages and, of course, lead generation and so forth. And there comes a lot around uh, content marketing as a whole. And I know you have been talking about it, uh, especially on the Global Marketing Day that Samraj had uh, this fall. So what is it with content marketing that you feel is so exciting and and important for b2b marketing so content is at the heart of marketing it doesn't matter what type of marketing people do it's all about content you can't do marketing without content even if we're uh you know even if we're uh, making banners with uh, really impressive graphics there is still an element of content you're telling a story so content is at the heart of every single campaign the other thing that makes content really important and interesting i would say is you know that the, according to forbes it's about 2.5 quintillion bytes of data created daily um, and that's accelerating with iot uh, devices that we are using um, and, and another interesting fact is that it, the 90% of the data that exists today was only created in the last two years. <clears throat> so <laughs> this kind of stuff is, is daunting. It's very daunting. How do, you, how do you tell a story that people will listen to and will give you their precious time? Um, and this is what's really important about content. It has to be right. It has to be engaging and it has to be useful to people who are actually um, uh, listening to it or reading it. Yeah. And I know I totally agree. And that's so important with having relevant and on spot target, but it creates a lot of content today and, and the competition of the client's interest is, is growing. So what do you think are the key drivers to create successful and relevant content that is appreciated by the by the prospects and the con uh, customers today? Yeah, well, um, there are seven C's of content that I like to talk about because these are these form the basis of engaging effective content. Um, so when I look at the seven C's, first one would be the clarity part. Content has to be clear. As I said, there's so much content being created. If you don't give people the courtesy of telling them what they can expect from something, they're not going to want to read it or they will read it and they'll say, well, that didn't deliver to my expectations. Uh, you know, that's five minutes of my time. I'll never get back. Um, and, and, and that's disappointing for them. So to be clear is really important. Concise is another one. And the, the second C I talk about, um, make sure that the content is short and sweet and to the point. A good synopsis actually helps with that. Um, and so we, if we can provide them with, a, with an overview of what we are going to deliver for them, they will really appreciate that. Um, and it has to be continuous. 
and it's all about re repeatability. So a lot of people think that, oh, we've told this story three or four times. Do you know, we get sick of telling a story faster than people get sick of hearing a story. But it's the repeatability that creates, um, you know, a memorable content. It, 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 it creates an impression on the reader. So repeatability, continuity is extremely important. So those would be the top three. Um, and if I was to, to cover the next uh, three, I guess creative and courageous, you know, be creative and be courageous. Don't be boring. Um, make sure that your content is, uh, is it, not talking about the same thing that everybody else is talking about. Make sure that it, it actually delivers something that resonates with people's emotions and their beliefs and then their, their morals. Um, I referred to, uh, you know, Nike's campaign with Colin Kaepernick and it was, it was, a, it was incredible. You know, it, it touched a nerve with the, the people that divided people, but it, it created um, a massive amount of exposure for Nike as a lifestyle brand and, and a, a brand that stands up for, for what people believe in. So, you know, be creative and be courageous at the same time. Say things that people haven't heard, but they want to hear. Um, and, and don't be afraid to tell a, a compelling, daunting story. So customer told is, is, is the sixth one. Um, and in, you know, when your customers tell a story, it is so much better than when you are telling the story from your end. Organization-led stories are not important. People are not interested in what you do. People are interested in a peer-to-peer -peer conversation. So we recently did a survey of all these CIOs and found out that most important thing to them was hearing what the other CIOs were doing. That was the number one priority for them. What case studies can they, can they look at? What can they learn from other peers? Now, the other great thing about stories that it's related to memory it actually is linked to memory so the subconscious you know it, it actually goes into it engages the subconscious i should say um and people remember them better than numbers so a good story is going to be more powerful than any other story you will tell and that sorry a good story told by a customer i should say is going to be more powerful than any other story you will tell um, and the last but not the least, uh, the seventh C would be collaboration. So make sure you collaborate with your team. Go and ask them what are their thoughts, what do they feel, would they like to to um, uh, to read something that you have developed or the topic, and what are they hearing from the customers? Are they going out there and they, your customer-facing teams are hearing lots and lots of things? Incorporate that into your story. Make sure that it is a, is, a, is a good depiction of the customer sentiment, you know, the, the, the sentiment of your team, and, and also your research and your perception of what will work for the readers. That's a great uh, summary of, of uh, how to think about content. <clears throat> the seven seeds, that's great. Thank you so much for, for giving us that. A model you have developed for content there. So what do you think is uh, on, on a practical level, what do you see is working best for Delbumi content category wise? Where do you see most interest and relevance uh, 
Is it in video or written ebooks or blogs or social or what do you see is working right now? Yeah, look, interesting, uh, interesting question. What we see works with people, firstly, changes very, very quickly based on a situation. So at the moment, video content is doing extremely well because of you know, the situation currently, people are, uh, are quarantining themselves and, and not going out very much, but they want, to, they want to learn at the same time. So video content is absolutely valuable in uh, creating that engagement. The other thing that I find about video content is, um, I, you know, I also refer to the human iceberg with our three zones of, uh, of human um, uh, you know, interaction. And um, uh, if, if the top, you know, the top level is the, the stranger zone and then we get into the social zone and then at the bottom, we get into the personal zone. Mm. So in this iceberg at the tip, we are at the, at the stranger zone and only the, you know, seven eighths of an iceberg is actually underwater. So we, we don't, we don't touch on that part of, of human interaction much when we're creating content. So videos actually work more at a personal level because that's where tribes are formed and that's where, you know, uh, teams are formed because people have a personal interaction with the other people. Uh, there's a trust element built there. In a video, when people are looking at somebody else in flesh and blood, although they can't touch this person, but it straight away creates an engagement, like a, relate, a relatability to that person. And that's what we find works really well, well in, a, in a video format. Um, uh, but, but, you know, that's one of the things. But the other thing is also the, you know, what they're talking about is very important as well. So you can't just create a video that's really boring and not engaging and then mm. expect that to work. Interesting. And that's a really good model there with the tip of the iceberg. And, uh, yeah, something we maybe think a little bit too little off when we're creating our marketing <laughs> content. So it's a good model to keep in mind of that. Um, I also know that you're interested in, in uh, generational content and tonality of how to reach different generations. And we have been talking about the millennials for quite a while now, and now we also see the 20 something coming into the workforce. I think we call them the said generation. Uh, so, do you apply different tonality to different ages or, or generations or different segmentations of other kinds or how do you handle that? Yeah, look, um, again, it's, it's very topical, extremely topical. Uh, Gen Z is, you know, if people are still talking about the millennials, I'll say, look, that ship has sailed. Those people are now in decision-making roles. If you did not influence them 15 years ago, uh, you're not going to do that now very well because they, they've made up their minds as to what they're going to do. Um, we need to start to understand Gen Z because Gen Z, I think the oldest of them would be in about fourth or fifth years of their, their uh, careers. Um, and they're reaching a level of conscious competence now. Uh, so they're no longer new in, in their roles. They, they are seasoned. And this, I'm talking about the oldest ones. Uh, some of the younger ones are now moving into that. They're, 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 they're there. Um, how do we create content that appeals to this generation? 
you know, what's important to this generation? Now, there are people who are very much about a purpose uh, and they're very much about, you know, having flexibility, but also connectivity. And they want to be productive for their, for their organizations. So how do you create something for them that they can easily uh, access, they can easily read? Uh, short content is very, very important. So I, you know, I talk about concise in one of the, the seven Cs. It's all about concise, engaging content, something they can read really quickly, but they can still learn something from it. Um, and, and, and when creating content, it doesn't mean that we're just creating content for Gen Z, but we have to create content that's appealing for all ages. You know, first time in modern history, we have five generations working together. So let's not forget the other generations and, and just focus on Gen Zs. But if your content is scalable, you can take a topic and you can have it available in different formats and you can have it available in, in different flavors and different undertones uh, with different language for, for, for these generations. Uh, ultimately, we have to remember that everyone who is in the team, no matter how many generations there are, they're all there to achieve the same goal, which is to learn something new that they can apply at work today. Mm, yeah, very good insights there. Uh, I was wondering if you could give us an example of a campaign that you have felt went really well don't need to be for Del Boomi, but uh, anything else you have uh, run into or produced uh, in your team uh, that you felt that was exemplifying a bit of this? So we uh, ran our first uh, Boomi World Tour event last year, actually in March, and we only had a few months uh, before, a few months uh, lead time to, to run that event. It was decided very late, okay, we're going to run this event. This is the date, this is the venue available, let's go for it. Um, we ended up with a uh, far greater number of registrations uh, than we expected. And again, um, far less dropouts than we were hoping for at the end because we were over capacity. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the attrition wasn't what we were, we were thinking. And I think what really worked well was so many customers who we had engaged to tell the stories and how we ran our campaign to showcase those customers and their stories, uh, you know, snippets of these stories that, that, that people could expect to come in here at the event. Um, now, that was run via various mediums. So we had social campaigns running around that and it was in a phased approach. So we would, we would announce one customer, say, you know, every few weeks and, build a very, very clear idea of what people could expect to, to hear from that customer. Um, and as we started to uh, promote these stories as we went along, we started to get more engagement than we have ever received from social media and also through our campaigns that we were running. And the registrations were coming in hard and fast. And we, we just didn't know. Uh, at the end, we had to close the event. Like we, we actually had to close the registrations because we did not know we, how we could cope with the number of people who were registering. Um, so at the end, you know, I, I, we, we had, it was a good problem to have. Um, but what worked really well was the fact that as, you know, in one of my seven C's that I talk about is the customer told. You know, the, these customers are telling the stories, all the other IT managers and IT decision makers and general managers and CIOs, they want to hear from these people. 
they want to interact with them and they want to, uh, you know, exchange ideas with these people. So uh, the, the, the power of a customer story is, is, is extremely, um, I would say it's, it's invaluable. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That was a really successful event then. <laughs> so <laughs> great tactic to, to drive that kind of uh, attendance. And talking about events, we're now in the middle of the Corona crisis. People are closing down live events all over the globe. And um, uh, just as in, in the Nordics and Europe, you're having the same trouble in, in Asia, APAC. And uh, I know you're actually right now have been canceling your, your biggest event for the year. And uh, I think every marketing manager today is scrambling for what's the contingency plan here? How do we go about uh, having events or communicate with our clients, even though we can't put on those conferences and, and plan live events? Um, so can you give us a little bit about background, what you're about to write now? I know you're very busy with this. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we are very busy with this. Um, what we have realized is, uh, you know, this is, the, this is the direction that the world was heading in anyway. What, what's happened now is just getting fast-tracked. So virtual mm -hmm. events were always going to be our future, but the future's here now, so what are we gonna do? <laughs> so we have uh, put together some plans around uh, doing events. Now, firstly, it's very difficult for people to log in and be at a virtual event for an entire day. Physically, it's possible. You know, you're engaging with people, you're then having something to eat and talking to other people. So there's lots of different things you can do. But in a virtual environment, but there actually is not enough um, opportunity to engage with the others, other peers and walk from one place to the other or, you know, be able to step outside for some air. Uh, how can you plan that? So what we are doing is we're going to create a, a full day event like we did for Boomi World Tour that we did last year, but this is going to be our virtual event. Um, some of the, uh, for instance, our keynote might be, might be live, but the rest of the sessions that we're going to plan around them are going to be little bite-sized uh, chunks of, of information that people can tap into on demand. So they're not bound by putting their entire day aside um, and being at this event, what they can do is actually have a list of what we're going to provide is a list of all of the topics that we're going to discuss. And actually it's worked out better to be a virtual event because we can have more presentations than we could have if we had to accommodate a certain number of people in certain number of rooms. So we can allow people to actually download stuff. Uh, we can also provide people with options of how they can consume that content you know, the, the mediums through which they can consume that content. Would they prefer something audio? You know, the power of audio I talk about all the time. The power of audio you can't undermine. Radio has been around for over 100 years. People love to consume their content. You know, they were driving to work or, uh, you know, they're, they're going out for a walk. They would like to consume their content, um, not by video, but by audio. Uh, so we want to make sure that that option is available for them. A video option is available. So again, you know, talking about that personal zone so they can relate to the people. Um, and also 
uh, assets they can read. So stuff they can download from, the, from, from a microsite where everything is hosted. So they feel like they're connected. They're, they're still getting everything they wanted, but now they're just getting it in a different format and in real time, much quicker and in the, in the format they want. That's great. That's great. I know, and I know you have surveyed your audience uh, in order to get their preferences. And I suppose this is the way most prefer to get the online event presented. If it's a, a big event as you're trying now to break down into chunks, as you said. Yeah, look, I mean, um, I guess, you know, I, if, uh, as Henry Ford said, if I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, our reality has uh, has changed a lot. So, you know, if we asked the CIOs um, in December last year, or even in January, how would you like to consume your content? How would you like to network with other people? They would have said, yeah, physically, you know, actual, actually in person, I would like to talk to people. Mm. But that changed very quickly, only recently. Um, and all of a sudden now uh, the CIOs we surveyed are saying, uh, you know, that their biggest priority right now is change management. And um, that change management is, is, is in many, many ways. And one of the things they also want to do is change the way they consume content. So they are saying, yes, we would love to, to still get, uh, uh, you know, the networking opportunity, which is by a chat function that we can provide, you know, it's not a problem. If we create a, a platform, we can still provide a chat with the other, other uh, peers. Uh, and the other thing they want to do is they still want to educate themselves and, and, and read case studies. So uh, virtually, if they can do it, absolutely. You know, uh, what better to hide into a room and have some spare time away from all the family that's in the house now <laughs> and learn something new. <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, really exciting um, topic to to see how you're handling the the Corona crisis. And uh, I think we have got so much great info and ideas and experiences that you have shared with us, Tanya. I know there's a lot of people who maybe want to check you out or listen to more of your content and so on. Where can we send them if they want to see what what you do otherwise <laughs> <laughs> well um on linkedin uh it's uh, tanya mushtak so it's t-a-n-i-a and my surname is mushtak which is m-u-s-h-t-a-q so a lot of the stuff is posted there i um uh, i do uh engage with content that i like there as well and i reshare posts and also on twitter which is at tan mushy which is t-a-n M-U-S-H-I. So uh, Twitter is one of my favorite platforms, actually. I know it's very underutilized, but I, I, it's a real-time platform, and I love to share a lot of content on that um, because there's no restrictions of how many times you can post on Twitter, whereas LinkedIn, I think you have to be a little bit careful uh, of how many times you post, a, post something on that. Mm, yeah, totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. Uh, it was great to have you with us. And thank you for uh, taking your time out of office hours in Australia in order to get this <laughs> schedule. <laughs> so thank you so much for that. And uh, wish you all the best and uh, luck with your coming virtual event now. 
that's coming up in the near thank future. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that, Jacob. And then thank you so much for your time as well. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.